Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Encourage you, if you've missed some of those messages, go back, take a listen, because we just address some great, great subjects. But now we're going to be moving on. As Stephen said, we are in our growth track season. I hear we have 40 to 50 people booked on today, which is amazing. Yes. Come on, let's not do the golf clap if we're going to do it. Come on. Yes, that's good. But that is so exciting. You're going to get some great food. I've been talking to Beth and Simon about the food for the next four weeks. So I've planned when I'm going to be in and when I'm not going to be in. (laughs) Joking, joking. But you're going to get some great food, some great times. Um, Over this next four weeks, alongside Growth Track, we're going to be addressing Grow in our main services. And today I have the privilege of opening that up. We're going to be speaking about knowing God and finding freedom. So first of all, you might say, Josh, what is Growth Track? Well, Growth Track is the way we facilitate your growth in Arena Church. It's central to who we are as a church. There's four steps, as Stephen said. Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. I don't know about you, but I've been around church. I am 28 years old. Just turned 28. And I've been in church for 28 years. And I've seen a lot of people in church. And you know what? This growth track helps and kind of leads us so well through the steps so that we can kind of be fully functioning in our faith. I don't know about you, but I want to be fully functioning in my my faith. I want to be living up to the potential that God has called me to. And that's what growth track does. See, in Arena, growth track is central to our strategy as a church. It's the way we take our next step in God. Isn't life full of next steps? It is, isn't it? As Stephen said beforehand in the prayer about the next steps of life, and I want to talk about that for a second because I've got a little boy, you probably saw him, uh, you know, today he's like 20 months old. But the first step really of a baby is to, to start crawling, isn't it? And then, you know, they take that physical first step and they might fall down and they might kind of get back up and they'll take a few steps and they start walking. And there's kind of a bit of pain to that process because they fall down and they get back up again and they go. And then maybe it's talking and saying a few words and stringing sentences together. Then maybe the next step's going to school. I know there's some parents here who've just sent the kids to school and that's kind of scary as well and like exciting. And then after that, there's like primary school and then you go to big school, don't you? Anyone remember going to big school? Going from primary school, taking that step up. Maybe you had to take a bit of a longer journey. You know, you're allowed to ride the bus now. Wow. You know, that's exciting. That becomes really old really quick, doesn't it? <laughs> you, you do that. That's the next step. It's exciting. It's scary. Then, then you have your first big decision to make. Do you go to sixth form? Do you go to college? Do you do an apprenticeship? There's like a scary side to that, but there's also an exciting side to that. So then you do that and you've got another big decision to make. What do you do? Do you go to university? Do you go to work? What career do you want to take? And there's that excitement, but there's also, again, that fear factor to all that, isn't there? It's like exciting, but it's scary as well. Then you might have a boyfriend and girlfriend like, you know, Nathan and Joanna down the front and you ask that person to marry you. And like marriage is exciting, but scary as well. (laughs) 
Because all of a sudden, you know, you're living with this person who you've had this great relationship with. You've got this house and you've got to look after it. And now, like, your mum and dad aren't doing your washing for you anymore. Like, you've got to learn to cook. <laughs> like, I, I am phenomenal at beans on toast. If you want beans on toast, please come to my house. But isn't, like, every time we take a next step, there's always an excitement, isn't there? But there's always, like, a pain to it, Yeah? There's like a scary side, isn't there? Myself, I've just started a new business four months ago. And like, there's a real excitement about you know, what could happen. And there's a real upside. But there's also like a pain to it, like a scary side, where actually I'm completely accountable for my own, my own earning now. You know, there's a fear factor of what if it does work. Cause it, it might not work. And that is what it is. Every next step we take, there's excitement, but there's also pain for it. See, our capacity to grow is dictated by our willingness to take the next step. Our capacity to grow is dictated by our willingness to take the next step. Our Christian faith is exactly the same. We want to know God. But listen, we don't want you to camp at knowing God. We don't want you to just stop at knowing God. Knowing God's great, but if you, don't, if you get to know God, but you don't find freedom, you don't discover what your purpose is, and you don't make a difference in the world, I would suggest that you're not living the life that God intended you to live. We want to go on the journey with God. We want to go on the growth journey with God. See, in life, people don't want to take the next step because of the potential pain, the risk. See, the companion of the next step is pain. I know people who who have not wanted to step into the potential because of the pain that may accompany that. I've known people who don't want to take maybe, you know, a different, a different um, job opportunity, people who don't want to step up in church, people who don't want to step up in their life because of the potential pain that comes with the next step. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Now, I'm not belittling that this morning because I know that sometimes the next step can, it looks like, it seems like we're faced with immense pain and incredible stretching. See, the problem is when we hide ourselves from pain, we stop growing. Sam Chander, a famous author, says this, pain is a part of progress. Anything that grows experiences some pain. If I avoid all pain, I avoid growth. If we want to grow, if we want to be healthy, there will be an element of pain. I've just started running again. And uh, I'll tell you, I, I hate running. <laughs> I, I hate running so much, but I want to be healthy. So I've started running again. I've just been doing, you know, just like quick 4K, quick 5K, that kind of thing. I can't do any longer than that because it just bores me to tears. But I went out, the first run I did again, I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm still a fit guy. I can still do this. So I tried to run at the same level as I did like a year ago when I was in decent shape. So I got out there, I'm, I'm pounding the ground halfway around, you've got to know, I just wanted to go, like, like God, take me now, like, please, I'm running up this hill, my legs are killing me, my lungs are burning, I just wanted to give in, but I had to push through the pain, because I knew I wanted to carry on, I wanted to get healthy, so I pushed through the pain of my legs, of my, my short breathing, whatever it was, and got back, and let me tell you, when that run ended, I was happy, but the pain didn't stop there because you know what it's like when you get back into something that you've not been doing long. You know, you ache. My legs for the rest of the day felt like jelly because I'd worked myself pretty hard. But see, there's a pain that comes with that. 
The funny thing is this, that in a month's time when I do that same run again and run that same time, the pain that goes with that time that I ran to de- uh, this, this last week, well actually, there'll be no pain to it because it just becomes a norm. And what I have to do then is push through to the next step and the next level of growth and the next level of health and go and take that pain so that I can get healthier and healthier and healthier. We want to grow. See, growth track is designed to bring you to spiritual maturity and health. We decide to take the next step because we want to grow in God. There will be, pre- there will be pain, but with that pain will come new growth and increased health. See, I believe that the potential far outweighs the pain. The potential of what we can receive far outweighs the pain. The reality is to find freedom, there may be some pain there. There probably will be some pain. But do you want to be free? To discover your purpose, there might be some pain in understanding who you are and understanding why you're here on this earth. But the potential far outweighs the pain. If we want to make a difference, it's going to mean taking some scary steps, doing some scary things possibly, some things outside of your comfort zone. You know, do you, you know Stephen and Lini sat in the front row. Do you think it was easy for them to uproot the life from Scotland, people they love, people they know, to come to Mansfield? Not for it. Stephen, you know, Stephen and Lini on, on staff, like full-time staff here, had to get a job. There's pain to that. But the potential far outweighs the pain. Yeah. Guys? So today we're going to look at our first two steps, as I said. Knowing God, finding freedom. So first of all, know God. Ephesians 1 verse 17 to 19 says this. But I do more than thank. I ask, ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his working us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. I don't know about you, but I want endless energy and boundless strength. But I want to hone in on that bit there where he says, I want you to know him personally. See, we are called to a personal relationship with God. He wants to know you, but more than that, he wants you to know him. We, he, God wants us to know him. See, Jesus died and rose again so that he could have a relationship with you. Because of that, we get to speak to God anytime, anywhere. You can speak to God on the way to work. You can speak to God in the shower. You can speak to God before that meeting. You can speak to God anytime, anywhere. You don't have to come to Stephen or to me or to Nathan to get us to speak to God for you. You can speak to God yourself. This is a relationship. See, this is why we say a lot of the time we don't believe in religion. Religion refers to a set of rules and regulations. We believe in relationship, knowing God personally. This is what's open to us. This is what we were supposed to be living as, as Jesus' followers. See, we were created to be in contact with our Saviour. When we enter into this relationship, we are changed. Not into someone else but into God, who God always intended us to be. I find it funny. People always think that God's trying to change them into someone else. 
God's not trying to change you into Nathan or, or, or Annie or Dean. God wants to turn you back into you. What does the Bible say? It says we were created in the image of God. But what happens because of the weight of the world, because of choices that we make, we get these attitudes and we get these things on our life and our personality that actually take us away from who God created us to be. When I found this, that when I get to know God personally, the more I know him, the more he turns me back into me. The more I become who he created me to be from when time began. God doesn't want to change you into someone else. He wants to change you back in to you. See, key to being in this relationship with God is knowing our position. I've not got, a, I've not got an authority problem with God. God, you're number one and I'm number two. We acknowledge that he is our saviour, that he's our Lord and that he's in charge. I don't know about you, but when I used to live at home, I used to bargain loads with my mum and dad. So if they were like, Josh, you need to stop playing your PlayStation at 25. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, when they were like, Josh, you need to stop playing your PlayStation. I'd be like, please, 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 half an hour more. Please, half an hour more. Or like, if it was like, Josh, you need to go to bed. And I was like, mum, please, just give me one more hour. Please, I just want to speak to this person on MSN. <laughs> Whatever it was. I'd always bargain with mum and dad to like just squeeze that bit more out. Anyone know what I mean? Yeah, you've probably got kids who do this. One more piece of chocolate, whatever it may be. Judah is like crazy about chocolate. But with God, it can't be like that. It can't be a bargaining process. It can't be an argument thing. If, if he says something, it goes. It's a kind of a cheesy statement, but it's so true that if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. See, God doesn't want you to give him a piece of your life or a little bit of your life. God wants your whole life. What God wants is to be involved with your mess. He wants to be right in the centre of your mess. He doesn't want to be on the periphery. He doesn't want to be on the side. He doesn't want to be someone you just tip your hat to once a week. God wants to be at the centre of everything you do. If you want to live a healthy life, I honestly believe the most healthy model of of living is to have Jesus right at the centre, to put God first. That's why he tells us to do it. I don't think he does it because he's, he's got a, you know, he's, he's like insecure in heaven and needs people to worship him. I believe he tells us to worship him. Sure, he's worthy of our praise, but more because it's good for me. I need to worship God. I need to come in the morning and say, God, I need you. God, I need you to come through for me today because that shows me that, you know what? I can't do this on my own. I need God to move in my life. So key to having this personal relationship is acknowledging that we aren't perfect. I think the funny thing is this, that we all know that we're not perfect. I think if I kind of said, hey guys, if you're perfect, put your hand up. I don't think many people would be putting their hands up, mainly because like the husband or wife next to me would be like, no, get it down. (laughs) We know we're not perfect. That's the funny thing. Like if I said, look, let me show your d- deepest, darkest thoughts on the screen, I'll give you £10,000, I don't think many people would be taking that offer. Because we actually know that really, deep down, we're a bit of a mess. We know that we're flawed. We know that we've made mistakes. The problem is this, that when someone else tells us that, it's not true. What the Bible says is this, it says, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We know, don't we, really? Honestly, are we perfect? We know we're not. We know we're not. And what it takes to know God personally is to just acknowledge that to God. 
God, I'm not perfect. God, I need you. God, I've messed up tons in my life. I need you to help me. I need you to, to forgive me of that. That's what it means to know God. See, knowing God means to trust what he says and does. Romans 10 verse 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you give your life to Jesus, the promise is that you will be saved. If you call on his name, you will be saved. We have to trust his word, trust what his word says. You know what? There's some days when it's hard, when life's hard and you just don't know where God is. But you can go back to this verse. You can take it to the bank that, you know what? When you give your life to Jesus, you are saved. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 says this. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. I think the funny thing about this free gift is that we live in a world, the way of the world is there's no such thing as a free lunch. Yeah? There's no such thing as a free lunch. Or if it's too good to be true, then it probably is. See, that's not the way of God. The way of God is that he gives us this amazing gift and we have to accept it. The problem is our brains are hardwired to earn, earn, earn. And the more I perform, the better I perform, the more I get. Yeah, it's, it's the way it is with your job. The better you perform, the better you get on. At school, the better, you, the better you perform, the better grades you get. Yes, that's the way we are wired. But the way of God is, look, I'll give you everything first. And all you have to do is receive it. We find that really hard. So what we do is we, we read our Bibles to try and get the approval of God. We pray so that like, God can love us a bit more. We do good works so that God can be pleased with, with us. But like this verse says, that is impossible. See, we don't read our, our, our Bibles to get God's approval. We read our Bible so that we can know him personally. We do good works because of the work that he did in us. See, God, God loves us not because of what we've done, but because of who we are. When we confess our sins and accept him, we are saved. We're his children. Accept this salvation. You know, that road to trying to earn God's approval gets really heavy, really hard, and you burn out really quick. I've tried to do it. I've done it myself. Accept his grace. Live from his grace, not live for it. You see? There's a difference. See, this doesn't mean we go around doing what we want. I stay away from sin because I want to live the, the life that God ordained me to lead. See, what sin does is this. It entangles us. It tries to hold us back. It tries to stop us. So I stay away from sin so I can live the best life that God called me to lead. See, we try and we think we know best for our own lives, but this is crazy because we serve a God and we have access to a God who sees time like this way and this way. We're just walking through time this way. Well, God can see time this way. He can look at it in different angles. God knows what's going to happen in your future. God knows what's happened in your past. So how crazy for us to think that we know better than God. So when he tells us to do something, when he brings his correction in his word, then you know what? We should listen to it because it's best for us. God's not the eternal party spoiler. 
God's not sat in heaven saying, oh, Stephen's having too much fun. Let's rein him in. God wants you to live the greatest life. He wants you to live a huge life. See, sin tries to shackle, shackle us. It tries to stop us. Jesus brings freedom. That brings me on to our second step. Find freedom. John 8, verse 34 to 36 says this. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Anyone like that verse? We are called to live free. When you give your life to Jesus and ask him to save you, you are made righteous by Jesus. God no longer sees your sin. What he sees is Jesus' righteousness because of what Jesus did on the cross. Get that in your head. When we give our lives to Jesus, when we acknowledge our sin, what happens is this. Jesus, God doesn't see our sin anymore. He sees Jesus' righteousness. That's amazing. But sin does entangle us, if you let it. It holds us back. If we want to be healthy, we have to find freedom. The offer of salvation is freedom in Christ. We can all carry baggage that weighs us down. We need to give this to God. That addiction, that habit, that relationship, those words, that attitude. What is it in your life that's holding you back? Where do you need freedom in your life? See, even though we say, you know, these next steps, I find that there are different levels to freedom. I find that I'm still finding freedom today. Anyone get it? Do you see what I'm saying? And what God wants to do is he wants to take you to new levels of freedom where you can be completely and utterly free in him. See, don't let sin burden you. Don't let sin hold you back. Don't let sin weigh you down because that's what it will try and do. Let God set you free. James 5.16 says this. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. See, I've found that the only way to get free is Jesus. And the best way to stay free is accountability. See, confession gets you out of sin, but accountability keeps you out. Confession gets you out, but accountability keeps you out. At Arena, we find freedom in small groups. Having a small group of people who we can trust, who can walk with us, who will love us, who will be there for us. In my life, it's been relationship with God and accountability that have called me and helped me to change. See, follow, fellow Jesus followers calling me to more, praying with me, laughing with me, crying with me, living life with me. Now, before you think, say, oh, Josh, you're taking it all humanist, it's just not true. God's way of change is to set us free but as James 5.16 says, is to get by people and get people alongside who is going to help us find freedom, yeah? See, if we can be brave, if we can be bold, and we can talk to some people about that that's holding us back in our lives, and we can say, hey, I need you to help me with this, that's when we can find freedom, with God right at the middle of that relationship. This is the, 
this is exactly what I've found in my life and it's something that we try and do in our youth and in our young adults and in people all across Arena Church. See, if you're serious about finding freedom, find a group, be consistent, commit to building a relationship, it will change your life. Band, you can come up. I'm nearly done. But Jesus died so that you could be free. Give the weight to him and walk with people who are going to bring out the best in you. So if you want to find a small group today, go and see our guys with a Here to Help t-shirts on and they will help you get in a group. Jim Rohn, a leadership speaker, said this, you will be the average of the five people you most associate with. Is that a good thing? Is that a good thing for you or is that a bad thing? See, the Bible backs this up and says bad company corrupts good character. If you want to go far in life, if you want to live a life bigger than yourself, get around people who are trying to live that same life. Get around people who are better than you, who are going to call you to more. See, if you want to find freedom, if you want to get free of that addiction, if you want to get free of whatever that thing is that's holding you back, if you're going back to the same group who are doing the same things, let me tell you, you won't get out of it. What you need to do is find people who are going to help you with that. People who want the best for you. People who are going to call you to more. People who are going to push you on. That's how we get free. See, the best way to get out of sin is Jesus. And the best way to stay free is accountability. Are you around people who are calling you to more? Who are passionate for God? Are you around people who love you? Are you around people who love God?